what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan Jackson. I am the co-founder and co-director of the Foot Candle Film Society and our annual Foot Candle Film Festival. Across the table from me is Chris Fry, who shares the same titles I just read out, being the co-director, co-founder of the aforementioned same organizations. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm uh, looking forward to talking about two films that have been getting a little bit of buzz recently, so it'll be nice to kind of dive into them. Well, and that kind of sums up what we'll be doing in this whole, pretty much this whole show. We are going to be talking about two films, reviewing two films that have either received awards recently or are uh, being nominated for awards. And uh, because Oscar Academy Award nominations were honestly just announced this morning as we are recording the show. So after we do our two reviews, we'll be spending our news time during the episode talking about those Oscar nominations and kind of giving you some initial, like two hours in our initial feedback <laughs> on the nomination list. And then we'll be closing out the show with our uh, our staple, our uh, um, our recommendation of the episode where Chris and I both recommend a film each recommend a film that we think is worth checking out that either we just caught up with or we uh, uh, just feel like maybe it's been overlooked or missed over time. And it definitely ones you can watch online. And I will say that both the reviews we'll be uh, performing today are films that you can get online. We'll let you know how to find those films online after each review as well. But Chris, we do have two films to get into with our reviews. Uh, first up, we'll be reviewing the film Nomadland, which is the latest by director Chloe Zhao. Um, starring Francis McDormand. And then we'll be discussing The Mauritanian, uh, directed by Kevin McDonald and starring uh, Jodie Foster, Benedict Cumberbatch, and several others. So we got a full plate, lots of stuff to talk about, a lot of Oscar nominations to get to later in the show as well. We'll be announcing those. Chris, are you ready? Yes. Are you ready to get started? Good. Let's jump right into then first review, which is the film Nomadland. are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am. And they sometimes call you nomads. My mom said that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. My husband worked at the USG mine in Empire. I was a substitute teacher. It is a tough time right now. You may want to consider early retirement. I need work. I like work. Back in June of 2000, I was in between jobs and decided to load up my pickup truck, borrow a camper truck top, and head out west. I traveled mainly on I-40, slept in the bed of my truck at Coa Campgrounds, I stopped at Graceland, explored the beauty of the Painted Desert National Park, went to Biosphere 2. I even took a pebble from a beach in Wilmington, North Carolina, all the way to drop it off on the coast of uh, California. 
That said, this was becoming a nomad by choice. Mm -hmm. Alan, I know you enjoyed a similar trek a long time ago, kind of touring the country with some friends. There again, we both did it by choice Mm -hmm. and enjoyed it, I think. (laughs) Uh, Fern, Francis McDormand's character in Nomadland, does it by necessity or does she? Mm-hmm. Alan, what were your thoughts on Fern and her choices and on Nomadland overall? Right. Well, it's hard. it was hard for me to think about this film without also thinking about Chloe Zhao's previous film, mm. uh, The Writer. Sure. Because it's very, very similar in style and tone. And I really, really enjoyed The Writer. So I was looking forward to getting into this film because it seemed to be taking on some of the same similar aspects, exploring a slice of, uh, of life or culture that maybe we don't have as much exposure to mm-hmm. and utilizing a lot of non-actors and people really in those situations instead of stocking it up with a lot of Hollywood actors and, and uh, going that route. So very excited for No Man Land. Um, and I did find myself really, really enjoying this film. I, well, appreciating this film sure. and enjoying it. It's, it's, um, it definitely is building on what I saw in the writer and I liked and everything that was being done in that film is being done, I think to a greater expertise and a greater skill set with this film. And, um, but you do have the one big Hollywood actor that being Francis McDormand, but I think she's the perfect person. If you're going to bring in a name actor to play this role, she just seems to inhabit this role of Fern so incredibly well that I really do forget it's Francis McDormand mm. probably about 15 minutes in. I, wow. I'm just totally in. This is Fern. I know Fern as a character <laughs> and all that. Okay. Um, so no, I really, I really did like this film. Um, it's very quiet. It's very intimate. Um, you very, very intimate. And that's one thing I really liked about it is I felt like they, they didn't shy away from aspects of Fern and her choices and her life. I mean, you saw it all. You saw you know, the ups and downs. You saw everything she's facing in this nomadic life she's taking on. It doesn't shy away from anything. And um, and like you brought up in the question, asking is this out of necessity or is this out of choice? And you know, I think it's a little bit of both by the end of the film, maybe. So yes to both. <laughs> I think yes to both. Um, but I also think it's something she struggles with, too. I think by the end of the film, we're realizing she's still struggling with who she is and where she needs to be in this life when everything basically has been taken away from her um, up to this point. So I'm, I'm a big fan of this film. I think it's great. I really enjoyed it. I'd like to hear your thoughts. You've seen it a lot sooner than I, I just saw it this weekend. So so you saw it a while back. And let me give a brief, I kind of, you know, had a odd introduction. So let me kind of, if listeners aren't familiar with what the general setup of this film is, other than the fact that Frances McDormand's in it and she drives around in a van, let me give kind of a a general overview of the film. It's after losing everything in the, a great recession, her husband uh, also passes away in this like mining gypsum mining town. The U S U S gypsum. It's a town called empire Nevada that basically when that uh, sheetrock company went out of business, the town shut down. They, that's, a, they, that's true. That's All true. This yeah. is true. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, Fern then kind of embarks on a journey through the American West, living in a van and dwell, dwelling kind of as a modern day nomad doing just, you know, gig to gig to gig. She mm-hmm. works for Amazon for a period of time. She works and does like some farming things. She works at some campgrounds. She just kind of bebops around all over the place, never really staying in too long in any particular place. Um, I, I enjoyed this film as well, and I'd seen it 
I saw it way back in, I guess, November or December when I got a screener to consider for year-end awards, and I liked it a lot. And um, I'm kind of a fan of Chloe Zhao, kind of like you mentioned, you and I were both big on the writer. Uh, I'd seen a previous film of hers, uh, Songs My Brother Taught Me, and Mm -hmm. I really liked that one as well. And I feel like, as you mentioned, you can kind of see a progression of her filmmaking style. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to see her blending non-traditional actors, which she did have in The Writer and her other film, with, in this film, Nomadland, she gets David Strathern and Frances McDormand to, you know, acting Hollywood names, but blends them, I felt like, perfectly mm-hmm. with, you know, some still non-traditional actors. So I really, I think it's, I think it bodes really well for her as far as her career. You know, she's still, you know, a younger filmmaker and where she's going, I'm, I'm excited to see. Mm-hmm. I'll say too, big complaint you hear me make often on this show is a lot of times the running times of films really drag me down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not normally not so with dramas. If you get close to two hours, I'm usually a little bit more patient. But it's comedies and other things that are like 90 minutes. You know, that's my thing. With this one, I watched it the first time, and even though it is deliberately paced, mm-hmm. and there, you know, there's scenes that just kind of linger and everything. I didn't find myself getting antsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we rewatched this last night cause it'd been a while since I've seen it and I knew we were mm-hmm. going to review it today. Um, and I was surprised at how it still engaged me and I didn't get, um, antsy during yeah. the, the lingering shots. And things. Well, the film is a nice mix of let's explore this nomadic life from a practical standpoint. Let's see like what she has to do on a regular basis and let's see how she's upfitted her van to make it a great living quarters for her and let's explore some of the different seasons and weather and other things that she has to to take. It's a nice blend of the practical. Okay. This is what a nomadic life is with the characters that she interacts with, with that I think is probably the strongest suit of the film is just all the different people she interacts with. And some of them are just for a few minutes at a time. And then you never see them again. And that's kind of the idea is that she is just constantly moving. And uh, she does have a group that she does tend to kind of flock or have similar patterns, travel patterns with, but you know, it's never a matter of she's with them locked in to, to whatever they're doing. It's just, Oh, well they just all happen to be kind of going in similar directions and cross paths a lot more often. So I think it's the cross, it's the combination of the practical, this is the nomadic life, and this is what this character is enduring. It's the characters that she's uh, interacting with and people she's getting to know along the way. And then it's, you know, there's a lot of great scenery and a lot of great, you know, visual, uh, just, you know, energy that she's drawing off of as well. You can tell her character really that that's another thing that she really appreciates is being out in this scenic environment and, and and, uh, beautiful landscape. So, I think it's a great blend of a film from that standpoint. Frances McDormand is really, really good in the role, and she she definitely carries the film. I uh, I will say one thing that I wish they had done a little differently. Um, you mentioned David David Strayhorn as a as Dave, yes, in the film. Mm-hmm. Great part, great character. I like the plot line with Dave mm-hmm. in the film. Is someone that Fern meets and kind of uh, also a fellow nomad, but he takes some different paths later in the film and choices in life and they still intersect and 
uh, you see the, the differences between the two characters. It was just, I, I wish, I wish they could have pulled that one off without a, a Hollywood actor name and, and presence because it was jarring for me when I saw him, I was so used to saying, Oh, we get to see some really authentic people. And then all of a sudden there's David straight here showing up. And it's like, Oh, you were so close. It could have been this whole movie could have been her interacting with real people, the whole film. And I just felt like that was a, I wish that they didn't go for a Hollywood actor for that role. Hmm. That being said, he was really good right. and the part was really good and the role was great. You, I just, you didn't you know. know he was in this film starting out, no. but you knew Francis. McDormand, uh, I knew Francis okay. McDormand. Yeah. Well, I but. guess that's one advantage I had is it wasn't like total shock to me when I saw mm. him show up. So I, I guess it made more sense to me. Cause you're like, yeah, you got to get an actor to kind of hit these certain notes and bring him back in. Like it, but yeah. I, can, I can see where it would have, it could have been. It was just yeah. disappointing that, sure. you know, they, that so many of these other uh, non Hollywood actors or people who are not actors at all were really good right. and really engaging. Uh, I got to call out Swanky as particular yeah. one. Yeah. I thought she was really good. Loved her character so much. And uh, I say character, but I mean, I think a lot of these were just, that's who they were. From what I can yeah. tell, yeah, like, you know, this, this, you know, it was based on an event that happened. You know, the, a lot of the events that happened in this thing are true. It's based on a book that was mm. written and then Chloe's out with the screenplay, kind of like right. taking it and making it her own. But yeah, from what I can tell, the character or the, the people <laughs> in the film, Swanky, Linda May, and then Bob. Yeah. Those are real people. Yeah, real, so, real, yeah. real nomads, real uh, characters that we meet there. And from what I can tell in the movie, some of the, my favorite parts are when they're kind of sharing what I think are there actual stories maybe yeah. mm-hmm. I'm not sure about swanky. That one may be embellished a little yeah. bit, but um, still I like Bob and him telling his story and just far. It's just the two of them sitting, talking one time and Bob sharing his thing. It's pretty, pretty good. Well, and I know this is not really review material for the film, but more behind the scenes, interesting note. Just, I thought was kind of keying off what you're just saying. Supposedly when making this film, you know, Francis McDormand spent several months, actually out traveling and kind of a mimicking a little bit of a nomad situation. I, I, when I watched it again last night mm-hmm. with my wife, she, I, she didn't watch it the first time and then yeah. we watched it again last night. And she's like, what's up with her hair? I'm like, you know, Francis McDormand's yeah. hair. And I'm like, you know, I wouldn't put it past her if she kind of just lived as a nomad for a while. She and did. Didn't work. Okay. Well, so I, I, I say as a nomad, I mean, as <laughs> sure. much as a Hollywood actress, I think would do, but okay. yes, yeah, so she did basically move from place to place okay. and kind of took on some of the jobs that she sees in the film. Gotcha. But supposedly the, the discussion she's having, I think with Bob late in the film where she is describing her husband yes. situation, uh, supposedly, and again, maybe this is just PR for the film, but supposedly, sure. Bob did not know that Frances McDormand was an actually like well-known actress and he thought she was telling a real story and he was really sympathetic to her and felt really bad. And then found out that no, she's married to a famous director and you know, she's, (laughs) she's okay. okay. But, um, still that was supposedly the story is that several of the people that acted alongside her did not know that she was really an actress. Right. So, um, anyway, if that's true, I think that's pretty, pretty interesting. Um, but it does kind of speak to the film in general. I think what I liked about it is that it really did feel authentic. Chloe Zhao just has a way of, you kind of forget sometimes if you're watching a documentary yeah. or or a narrative film. Right. There are a few scenes of them around the fire and them talking where I'm like, 
I think my wife even passed in the room when I was like watching this and just assumed it. I'm watching a documentary (laughs) because it's so well shot to feel real. And you just feel like you can absorb the environment they're in. And it just, uh, it's great. It's a, it's really great. So, um, my only give my only uh, misgiving was just, I wish they could have kept it all non Hollywood outside of McDormand. Uh, and that would just been David Strait. It's just the fact that it's just the one role that just they dropped in. Yes, he had a little more uh, dialogue, a little more acting he had to do than some of the other characters. But how cool would it have been if they could have pulled that off with somebody else? Well, that, that's an interesting, which I guess you'd have to ask Chloe's out. Like, how does she choose? Okay, does she think like, okay, this is going to have so much dialogue. I've got to get Francis McDormand has to be like, you know, because I don't think anybody else would be able to memorize. I do have yeah. some lines here. But do I feel trusting that I can find somebody who's a non-traditional actor that can still carry the weight? Yeah, yeah I mean, you tough. had you know you had him. Dave had a son in the film. His yeah. son, you know, was not a, a known actor, and other family members and other characters that had some some lines. There's actually a, I think Dave's daughter-in-law, you know, has some dialogue with Francis on yeah. the, on with Fern late in the film as well. So again, it's tough. It, I, they could have done it, and <laughs> I, I liked all those other characters. Sure. And again. I definitely liked David Strathern's performance mm-hmm. and I liked his character. I just, it was a little bit of a break for me and I just, I, it felt like it pulled me out of the film for a little bit. And, uh, I was so absorbed by that point already. It was a little, a little jarring, but, um, but otherwise, I, you know, any film that could just kind of explores this idea of a, a way of life that you and I don't walk and don't experience sure. and to do it with such love and care, there's never a moment where any of these people feel like they're, being looked down on by the director or any or being judged by the director. It's truly just, no, let, this is just it. This is what they're like. And, and I think there's a lot of love to them as well. I mean, they, they definitely come across as they come across as the better, the better people in our society in many, in many of the cases that we see too. So I, uh, I thought it was great. I really did like Nomadland quite a bit. Yeah. It sounds like you were same way. Yes. And you know, at the, uh, I just can't wait to see what Chloe Zhao, the director, is going to bring to the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Eternals. I mean, it's going to be a she's going to do a comic, but she's basically done with it. I think it has to be because I think it was originally slated to be like released earlier this year, and of course everything's been moved. But that is probably the one of the biggest one eighty swerves in directing abilities (laughs) or or directing jobs I think I've ever seen. We've seen like smaller independent directors go on and make bigger films, but. This is going from as really as low budget independent as she could possibly make uh, with the writer, especially this one. Yes, you've got a big couple star names in it, but otherwise the rest of it's very, very small independent film. Just look at the fact um, that I know of she's made three films. None of them had big fight scenes. (laughs) Right. So now we're going to have a giant, uh, I'm assuming action heavy, maybe, you know, with a big cast of big name actors. Um, yeah. It's gonna be very interesting. Yeah. I, I'm I, I've never been a fan of the Eternals characters in the comics, but I'm super excited for the film just because of her as the director to Not see too. can she can she pull off the other end of the spectrum, sure, film wise. So yeah, sure. well that is Nomadland. Sounds like Chris and I are both very positive on it. Uh, we will be mentioning Nomadland again a little bit later when we get to our Oscar nominations discussion. It did win Best Drama at the Golden Globes. Uh, but how did it fare in the Oscar nominations? Well, we'll talk about that in here in a little bit and see how it did. 
But first, we're going to move on to another film review. It is the latest film by director Kevin McDonald, uh, directed the film The Last King of Scotland, a big film I was a fan of. And this is his film The Mauritanian and starring Jodie Foster, Benedict Cumberbatch, Shailene Woodley, and Taryn Rahim. I've never been part of a conspiracy, but I'm starting to think this is what it must feel like to be on the outside of one. If you stray outside the designated areas, you will be removed from the island. It's recommended you wear a hijab when visiting your client. We've had incidents of inmates spitting at female lawyers. You want to represent the head recruiter for 9-11? Mohamedou Oldslahi, the Mauritanian held in Guantanamo. He recruited the guys who flew your friend's plane into the South Tower. He put those men on my husband's plane? I'm going to make him pay. In the event the detainee lunges for you, push back away from the table. We'll get in there as quick as we can. Mohamedou Shali fights for his freedom after being detained and imprisoned without charge by the U.S. government for years for his implied involvement in 9-11. We have Jodie Foster starring as Nancy Hollander, the attorney that takes his case, Shailene Woodley as one of her associates, also assisting in the case, and then Benedict Cumberbatch as Stuart Couch, the prosecuting attorney for the U.S. government. Chris, this is a film that when I read the description and saw saw what this film was about, interesting subject matter, but I also expected this to be a very by-the-numbers, cut-and-dry legal drama with historical uh, implications. Um, that's what I went into it with the expectations of it. I was intrigued that Jodie Foster was starring in the film. She doesn't make many films these days, and sure. I think she's a little more selective with her choices. Um so given all that, I went into this with, I'd say, tepid expectations, hmm. uh, just because I, I just felt like it's going to be, it was, okay, we're taking a very uh, important historical uh, moment, and now we're basically doing all the political and legal wranglings behind the scene of leading to, uh, what, what, what causes situation. Sure. So Chris, my question to you is, did this do anything to rise above that description I just gave uh, of it being just a by the numbers, cut and dry, legal, political, um, social issue drama, or or was there something else here? Or is there something that kind of grabbed you with this film at all? Well, I, you know, the the thing that drew me to it because I was the director, like you mentioned, right. uh, Kevin McDonald. He he was the reason why I wanted to see it, and then Jodie Foster won a Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. For her, so I was like, okay. uh, supporting actress, I supporting, believe. Supporting yes, supporting actress. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was like, okay, interesting that you know, there's a little. Mm-hmm. I think okay, maybe I need to catch up with this film. Like you, I kind of had heard what it was about and thought, oh yeah, you know, just seems to be kind of boilerplate Oscar bait in yeah. a way because mm-hmm. you get a bunch of big names, an important subject matter, a director that's you know talented, and you think, okay, um. I will say, I guess overall, I thought it was the film was just okay. Yeah. The standout for me would be um, the guy who plays the yeah. Mohamedou Salahi and uh, Tahar Rahim, actor yes. Tahar Rahim. I thought he was really good. And I think without his really, really good performance, I think the film would be kind of forgettable, yes. honestly. Even though it is about a very important subject matter, Guantanamo Bay. Everybody knows about it. Everybody's heard about it. Everybody knows the complications around it. And um, so I, yeah, so I think 
it's unfortunate the film, and I think there were some plot things that kind of hindered it a little bit. But what what are your initial reactions? I, I'm I'm close to you. I, I I felt like the film was was fine, and I appreciated the film. I don't think it really did anything interesting or unique in telling the story. I mean, it, it, it did play with times back and forth and some memories and recollection. And there are some moments, heart harrowing moments late in the film, um, torture scenes Yes, that I thought were very creatively done mm-hmm. that I appreciated just, you know, trying to convey the horror of what, uh, some people were going through, but it is a, it's a tough film uh, because it's a tough subject matter. I mean, sure. it's a very, very sensitive subject matter. I, I think the film got a lot of, derision out in some of the community because uh, some people assumed that it was taking up for the 9-11 terrorist in some way. It's not, you know, and I think the film tries to balance that line to show that, you know, it really is focused on what's right in our justice system. What, what, how do we make sure we're prosecuting and holding people accountable for the right crimes? But if they're not making sure that we're not abusing our rights with them. Right. So it's a, it's a touchy, touchy subject matter. And I'm not personally you know, going to review the film on that whole question of right or wrong. And it's sure. more of how, the, how it told the story. And I thought it told it in a serviceable way that told the story. And it was interesting to watch and, and explore the situation. But nothing really Nothing really elevated it for me for a point where I would go out and actively recommend or try to get people to see the film. Does that make sense? Sure. Uh, I agree with you. Tahar Rahim, I thought was excellent. Um, you're right. If he, his performance didn't work, the film doesn't work. Right. I did think Jodie Foster was really good. I mean, I, I, you know, I think it's one of the better things I've seen her do in quite some time. I would agree. Um, she got to play a little bit more of a character, which I think the times I've seen her, in roles more recently, I, I don't really feel like she got much of a character to play. Mm-hmm. This one, she really did. She really a, a very aggressive, very kind of uh, domineering lawyer. Um, I liked it. I liked her performance. Um, and I'll even say Benedict Cumberbatch. It took me a few minutes to get used to the accent, pulling off a southern accent. But he had to bury the British accent. But he did it. Right. And yeah, I mean, I'm not. A, I'm not very good at picking out accents, so I, I'm. I'm generally very, very forgiving with actors' accents. Sure. And so after the first few minutes of just a jarring southern accent, I'm like, okay, now he's 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 in, he's eased into it. It wasn't so I got thick it. that it was like Forrest Gump. No, it wasn't a caricature of a right. southern, but um, it was jarring to hear him sure. talk the first couple times with sure. that. Um, but he he pulled it off. Yeah, you know, Shailene Woodley stars as as one of the the legal team, you know, working with uh, Jodie Foster's character um, uh, as uh, Nancy Hollander. Um, that was the role I, I don't think the film really knew what to do with her. Uh, there was some interesting plot points that tried to start exploring with her, and then it just kind of forgot about her and dropped her, and she popped back in the end. And um, that that was a role that I just don't feel like they really had a good handle on. So I, That's that's kind of when I alluded to plot threads that just kind of went, no, yeah. I love me some Shailene Woodley. Okay. I really like her. Yeah. Um, and I think – I was looking forward to seeing her this in this film working with Jodie Foster and yeah, her character's there then kind of drops out and I was like, Oh, okay. That's an interesting thing. But then when the character was brought back, that kind of ruined it. It it didn't didn't seem to work. Well, it It seemed to be like an easy way to push the narrative along. And I know it's based on something that really happened. So, but it just, 
I don't know. It didn't. It didn't work. I thought she was wasted when she was there because yeah. it was only for a short time. But then the the plot thread just didn't really. Didn't yeah, really work. I agree that that didn't work as well. And you know, also too, I think uh, overall the structure of the film worked for me. Okay. The idea of you know we we were kind of hopping between really three different time periods at different times. We had quote present day. Mm-hmm. We had several years ago when uh, Sly Lee was first arrested. And went through kind of his uh, interrogation process. And then we had even further flashbacks to him as child and teenager and kind of young adult. Right. Um, And I think that all worked. I think that was good. I think, and believe me, uh, we're going to talk more about this when I get to my recommendation film. So just kind of keep in mind what I'm talking about right now. Okay. But courtroom dramas. Ah. um, This is a film that, was building up to a courtroom drama that really the drama wasn't, is not the courtroom. The drama is everything leading up to it. And I think that's, yeah, the the court stuff that ends up does eventually get there. Yeah. It's kind of non eventful. Oh, it's it's very, I mean, it's, and again, I I understand that's the story is that the story is more all of the research and things they learned preparing for a court case. That's what the story is and what's being held, what's not being shared, what's being, what's happening with the prisoners. Right. That's the story, but right. it does feel like the film just kind of went out a little bit on a, on a whimper because there's really, there wasn't really a buildup. There's mm-hmm. not really anything to kind of be building up for in the story. So again, I know this is a real story and you don't want to make up a part of it just to make it more Hollywood. But, um, I do feel like that hurt the film because by the end of the film, you're just kind of like, okay, got it. I understand the story. I understand the impact. Good deal. You know? And then of course we had a long series of, post text which you know i'm always very very hit or miss on i do think it was all useful information and helpful and we had some footage of the actual characters which you know it seems to be kind of the typical thing for these films to do these days but okay and we had we talked just recently uh jesus and the black messiah kind of how we felt about footage of real people and it was Mm -hmm. done in a credit scene type thing okay so this film like you just mentioned kind of does the same thing i'll say that you know they're showing you know acting footage of um, Tahar Rahim you know being this character when he learns some news that he's really happy about and they show him kind of like celebrating and then there's a harsh cut to black yeah that was no was good very effective yeah now well and then they yeah. cut to some stuff on screen and yeah maybe it kind of under, it, at first it didn't undercut it for me. But then maybe it did a little bit. Well, it did for me. No, it didn't undercut. Actually, it was effective because, again, that was a harsh cut of him, a celebratory moment. Right. And then you come to find out that it really wasn't anything to be celebratory about. So it did work for me in that situation. No, I thought that was good. And I liked the ending credits, uh, a real footage of of, uh, Muhammadu singing uh, to a song. I thought it was just... It was a nice touch. And again, I know the film is working really hard to humanize him and to sure. give him, let people know what kind of person he is. And that closing credits for me helped with that. So it felt like the film got a little more creative by the, I hate saying creative during the torture scenes, but it really was the director kind of flexes muscles a little bit during that part. And then I think when you get towards the end and the credits and some of those, there are a little more interesting things they did to try to stylize the movie more and give you something more to chew on. But the rest of it was fairly, fairly basic and cut and dry. Um, yeah. I think, I think we're on the same page. Cause I was going to say one of my, 
one of my praises of the film was some of the ways they show the Guantanamo Bay detention center made me feel like I was there, you know, just oh, very yeah. isolating, claustrophobic. And they would show just kind of point of view shots of having to walk these outdoor chain link fences that have this webbing up. So you can't see things outside and just, and then like you said, the torture scenes, very disorienting and very, I don't know it, it, it was effective. So that did mm. make it worse than unique things. That the director was able to add some sure. of his touches to. I'll also say too, there were, I think two scenes where we had, uh, Jodie Foster and Benedict Cumberbatch together. Hmm. And I thought both of them were really good. They were very, I mean, it's two opposing attorneys that, you know, there's a lot of tension there. There's, there's things they're wanting to say or not wanting to say in front of each other. And I think both of them really pulled off those scenes. They were interesting dialogues between the two. Well, and um, it would have been very easy to take more of a Hollywood approach where it's like, you know, they're chewing scenery and it's yeah, like yeah. this bit. But it wasn't. There very was still tension. Yeah, yeah. But, it was yeah. very understated. I agree. Those were yeah. pleasantly surprising scenes that were well Well, and I loved how the first thing just came about. It's like earlier, in, like midway through the film where they just kind of run into each other. Right. And he's like, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm this person that's going to be right. against you. And she's like, uh-huh, okay. And he extends his hand as a handshake. And she kind of just hesitates. It's like, Okay, so we're doing this and so shaking we're hands, talk to each other. and we're going to go have a drink and talk. And that right. was just to me, just felt it was really nice. It was a nice yeah. natural scene. You know, they're 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 combatants on the field, but yet they still wanted to kind of explore, find out where each other's coming from. It was right. just it was a nice moment. So, uh, I, it's a film that had some really nice moments of storytelling. I think there were some moments where the the the, the, the director tried some interesting things especially in that very, very upsetting uh, torture scenes. Sure. Um, but overall, the film as a whole was, you know, it's one of those films, Chris, we always critique, would have been better as a documentary uh, or an acted film. This one's kind of a, a, a toss-up for me. It's like, sure. I, I don't know if, if the acting, I don't know if the narrative version of this film really aided my understanding of the story and the plight any more than maybe a documentary would. Gotcha. Other than those very intense torture scenes. I don't think we could have pulled that off in a documentary. So um, overall I I'm, I'm positive on the film, but it's not a raving. I'm not, I don't have a desire to go out and just sing its praises to everybody around me. That makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think we're kind of on the same page. Okay. But definitely good. I mean, I do think Jodie Foster probably, you know, deserves some of the uh, award recognition she's been getting for her performance. Again, we'll talk about that when we get to the Oscar nominations, but, um, Overall, uh, good film. Uh, it was good. And uh, still like Nomadland quite a bit better. But <laughs> okay. again, I think we're, we've got two good positive films here at the end of the uh, calendar year releases that are now in awards discussion. So, okay. Uh, Nomadland, I did not mention earlier, but it is available on Hulu. If you are a Hulu subscriber, you can watch that as part of your subscription. And it's also, I think, having some, it's showing in movie theaters as well in case it's playing in a theater that's, that's open near you. Uh, the Mauritanian uh, is, I believe there's some theatrical release, but it's definitely available online. But it is a, a kind of a first-run rental, meaning it's right now about 20 bucks to rent it. So I'm going to say, I hate doing this to a film, Chris, but is it worth a $20 rental? If you're watching it with a group of people and, you know, it's it comes up to like, you know, 
four or five dollars each on average i think it's fine otherwise you might wait until it's yeah but if a it's a, if you're just wanting to watch it in yourself 20 bucks is a lot for for this film i'd i'd say maybe wait and what come when it actually has, is down to a rental price sure. or something so all right that is our two reviews uh chris how about well, let's just take a quick little break when we come back is all oscar nomination talk that's our whole new section is they just came out a couple hours ago. You and I have not talked about these nominations at all. So that's what we're going to be doing here on the microphone uh, here in just a moment. And then, of course, we'll cap out the show with our recommendation of the episode. So you are listening to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the TV. Alan Jackson and Chris Fry with you once again from the Foot Candle Film Society and Foot Candle Film Festival. We just finished our reviews of the films Nomadland and The Mauritanian. Um, both of those were getting nominations or award recognition. Uh, I think the Golden Globes, uh, Jodie Foster, as you mentioned, Best Supporting Actress for her role in The Mauritanian. Uh, Nomadland won Best Dramatic Feature Film in the Golden Globes as well. Did Francis McDormand win... Um, I don't remember. I don't either. So let's just. <laughs> she was definitely we'll, nominated. We'll just skip on that and wait and come back and see what happens on that one. But the Academy Awards, kind of the the big the big prize, the big one that we kind of look forward to every year and are always curious about, did get their nominations released just this morning as we're recording this. So Chris, I know we haven't had a lot of time to digest this, but I think uh, we want to kind of hit the highlights of what we're seeing with these nominations. And get some feedback from from us. So let me start out by rattling off the films that have gotten the most nominations this year. Okay. That's typically the big storyline. Is okay. What films got the most nominations? Because that generally might tell you where some of the awards might be laying in the future. Sure. Um, anyway, here's what I think is really interesting. Outside of one film that I'll mention first, uh, it's a fairly even field hmm. of films. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb and say when we, we when we list out the best picture ones, I I think all of them have some chance of winning. <laughs> okay, which is odd. I can't remember a year where that's the case because normally there's like one or two, maybe three films where you're like, yeah, it's going to be one of those. It's going to be kind of hard to pick a winner. Yeah, and the other ones just feel like they're kind of filling in the field. No, I'm like the, all of these. I wouldn't be shocked if any of them were read out as best picture, (laughs) which is so weird. But anyway, uh, the film with the most nominations, Chris, I'm sorry, but it's Mank with 10 nominations. Okay. So Mank, the David Fincher film about the making of Citizen Kane with uh, Herman Mankiewicz. Um, After that, we have five films. No, I'm sorry. Six films that all have six nominations each. That's what I'm talking about. A level playing field. The Father. Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Nomadland, Sound of Metal, The Trial of Chicago 7, all have six nominations each. All of them were also in the field for Best Picture that we'll we'll read out that list in a minute. But Chris, one really, really good piece of news for us. We were bummed because Promising Young Woman didn't really win anything in the Golden Globes. It's got a chance. (laughs) Well, here we are. 
five nominations for Promising Young Woman, a film that you and I both still claim is our favorite of the year. Has anything changed on that? No, no, it's still my favorite. It's still my favorite as well. Promising Young Woman does have five nominations. Uh, Interesting bit of news on the Oscars this year. Uh, We have two women up for Best Director. That is the first time that has ever happened. Um, it's, we haven't had many nominations for women directors much at all, but to have two in a year, that's definitely a first there. And I also feel like there's a lot of well-deserved diversity in the field of both acting and directing and feed in best pictures as well. So let's start with some of the, the big categories. Okay. Let's just go ahead and start okay. with best picture. We have for nominated for best picture. We have the father, that's the one, Anthony Hopkins and um, Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. There you go. Judas and the Black Messiah. You and I reviewed that film, uh, I think, in the last episode. Yes. And uh, both were uh, positive on the film. You a little let down, I think, not yeah. going into it with maybe a little higher expectations. Yeah. yeah it was a um, but overall, still positive review on it. Sure. Then Mank, which I know you are not uh, the biggest fan of. I tended to find more I liked about it than you. And I think that's expectations again yeah. with that one. Well, it being David Fincher, right. I was going in really high expectations because it's the making of Citizen Kane. Uh, I, it left a little to be desired for me as well. But um, anyway, Minari. Now, it was nice to see Minari did fall into the best picture category. So it didn't just get regulated to best international film or whatever that some of that controversy was before. It is in the field of best picture, which is great. Yeah. Um, I think that's where, like, I think that's where it belongs. I yes. can see people splitting hairs because it has a lot of, you know, foreign language in it because the family, you know, is from another country. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's where it is. No, I, I am too. Uh, Land, which we discussed earlier, uh, is nominated for best picture. Promising Young Woman, again, very yeah. happy to see that in the field of uh, the one, two, three, four, five, eight Best Picture nominations. Sound of Metal, that one, a little surprising to be Best Picture nomination. It's a film I really liked. Sure. Um, and I definitely expected it to get nominations on the acting side. I was a little surprised to see it in Best Picture. Happy, but <laughs> a little surprised still. Sure. And then The Trial of Chicago 7, that's the Netflix film uh, Aaron Sorkin uh, directed in writing that film. So that's our field of eight. Chris, anything just right off the hand, real big surprises for you there or real big disappointments, any film that did not make it into that, that category? You know, I, no, um, I'll say overall, which, well, no, I'll, I'll save it. <laughs> I'll save that. No, I, I feel like it's a pretty, it's a pretty solid field. I think the only films that I kind of felt like might've been in contention and got, got just left out. Uh, One Night in Miami. It was a little surprising that it didn't show up in the best picture. I'm not saying necessarily whether it should have been there or not. I did like the film. I Mm -hmm. thought it was really good. But that was one I I think got a lot more love in the Golden Globes and not as much in the Oscars. I think it was only up for – it's only up now for uh, Best Supporting Actor and then maybe a couple of other other awards. But no director award for Regina King or a nomination and no other acting nominations there. Um, You know, um, I care a lot. A film that, you know, Rosamund Pike won, you know, award for uh, in the Golden Globes. I think she, well, was that in the same category with Frances McDormand? Would it have been for actor? Yes, that's correct. Rosamund Pike won for I Care A Lot. Yeah. Okay. She didn't get any recognition for her performance or the film here. And then the film we reviewed earlier, The Mauritanian, uh, didn't get anything, I don't think. So that's, that's really the only one of those I really feel like is kind of a, I don't want to say snub, but just 
was One Night in Miami. That's the okay. one film I think people could say, yeah, that should have been in the field. Make it a field of nine. That should have been in there. Gotcha. So, but otherwise, no, I'm with you. I, I think it's a good field. And again, like I said, somebody reading out any one of these eight films on awards night for best picture, best uh, picture winner, I'm not going to be shocked by, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's one of those things where it might be, you know, at the beginning of the night as certain category, you know, as they do like supporting mm. this and supporting it, that might kind of, you might see a trend. You're Start like, oh, okay, a here, wave. Here, here we go. Here, like a wave. I wonder if it'll be evenly split out or if you'll see a wave for Minari or a wave for Judas and the black Messiah. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I just, I'm curious. I, I will say if you, if you forced my hand and told me to kind of pick the, the, the one or two or three front runners, I'd probably have to say it's either nomad land Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, that's the two I would probably say I would, if I were a betting man, I would put money on one of those two. Yeah. Judas and the Black Messiah, because it got a lot of other nominations we'll talk about. Sure. Um, uh, Nomadland, because it's already won some awards and and gotten a lot of attention. Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman, and The Father, I just don't feel like have enough energy behind them. Right. And that's why I think the one thing I'm willing to say, I feel like is, uh, you know, I pick a front runner or whatever. I, I would probably say Nomadland would be yeah. where my now Mank, I, I could see winning. Sure. Um, so sure. I guess I'd say Mank, Nomadland and um, Judas and the black Messiah. Okay. I feel like are the three front runners. Okay. I will be somewhat surprised if it's not one of those three. Uh, but again, I'm not going to be shocked with any of them sure. being read out loud. So let's let's roll down the list a little bit more, Chris. Sure. Um, best director. Okay. Uh, one really interesting pick here, I thought. So we have David Fincher for Mank. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. Uh, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. And then Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, which I thought that was a I'm interesting choice, but I'm, I like seeing his name in there. Sure. Um, it's not often we get a best director from a film that's nominated in the best international feature. Um, but it's great because yeah. uh, we did both like that film quite a bit. So, yeah, I feel like that's, that is a surprise to see him in the best director. Category. Yeah. So. Good. Yeah. A good surprise. I'm happy yeah. with it, but uh, it's still a surprise. Um, best actor in a leading role. We've got Riz Ahmed from sound of metal, Chadwick Boseman from Ma Rainey's black bottom, Anthony Hopkins for the father, Gary Oldman for mink. And Stephen Young for Minari. I have a front runner for this category. Okay, and what would it be? <laughs> I I feel like it's probably going to be Chadwick Boseman. Hmm. Um, and the other performances were good, um, but I feel like you know it's it's one of those things where him having had passed away, and he does give a really good performance in My Rainey's Black Bottom. So I think it's just one of those things where it's going to be the, the fact that he gave a really good performance. Yeah. And unfortunately was his last performance. Right. And people could see his career and really think he was going to. So I, I, I feel like that's where it's going to go. I could see that. I'd say that or Riz Ahmed. That's the two I would say. And that's, that's one of the things that's like a tidal wave type thing. Yeah. <laughs> that could. But, well, only because I think Riz Ahmed, that may be the only thing Sound of Metal really gets. But I mean, he, that was his movie. Oh, we'll get there. Oh, okay. All right. Well, maybe not. Um, I uh, I think Riz Ahmed. I mean, he that was his movie. I mean, he he his role was 
critical to almost every scene in that film. Um, yeah, again, Gary Oldman could very easily come up and win it just because Mank was more acting involved. But um, anyway, it's a good field. I, I'm happy I with really the field. I really liked Anthony Hopkins in The Father. Okay. But I feel like he's he's kind of like a Meryl Streep. Everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're good. Right. We're going to nominate you a lot. And he's won, he's won Oscar, so sure. I don't think there's that – that's what makes me think the edge is for Chadwick Boseman. Okay, so. I could see that. Uh, best actress in a leading role, we have Viola Davis from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, Andra Day from the United States versus Billie Holiday. That was one that when she came up as a nomination or winner in the Golden Globes, I said, okay, so this is a film we now need to see. <laughs> it's, um, one, it's one of the, you know, I usually like, oh, I've seen it. I have not seen this yeah. one, so I'm planning to check it out now. What about Vanessa Kirby and Pieces of a Woman? Haven't and, seen that one another either. Another one, haven't yeah, seen it either. It's either. on my list now. It is. Francis McDormand for Normand, Nomadland, and then our Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Um, of course, I'd love to see Carrie Mulligan win for this. I don't think she will. Um, my guess here would be Francis McDormand for Normandland. I, I think I'm on the same page with you. Yeah, I think and that's. I, I think yeah, as we are, that could be a tidal wave type thing too. Yeah. Nomadland just you know. the one I could see being a surprise would be Andra Day, United States versus Billie Holiday, just because she's already won an award and. I don't know. It just, it, it could go that way. So she won Golden Globe for musical or uh, right. musical? I believe so. Yes. Gotcha. Or actress there or not. Yeah. For actress in the comedy or musical. musical category. Yeah. Sure. Gotcha. Best supporting actor. We have Sasha Baron Cohen for the trial of the Chicago seven, uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Judas and the black Messiah, Leslie Odom jr. One night in Miami, uh, Paul Racy for sound of metal and Lakeith Stanfeld, Judas and the black Messiah. I always think it's interesting when you have two actors from the same film um, for supporting roles, because that basically means they're going to split a lot of the votes. So, right. And yeah. so that's why I think neither one of them will win. Yeah. And that's when I, when you said about Sound of Metal and that being Riz Ahmed, someone was like, You think it's ah. going to be Paul Racy? <laughs> I, How crazy I would, would that be? I would really be disappointed, actually, if Paul Racy doesn't win. Probably one of the, the least known actors, you know. Uh, yep. Hardly any other credits to his his name and comes up and, and nominated now for a, a, a Best Supporting Actor. That's pretty wild. Because, I mean, Riz Ahmed was good. Yeah. But the scenes with oh. Paul Racy, like, no, they were so good. They had to be there and they were really, really good. I will withhold my comments on Sasha Baron Cohen's performance for a little bit. Uh, and the Trial of Chicago 7. I really like both Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. So unfortunately, it's just the challenges. Now we've got two of them in the same field. Right. Um, Leslie Adam Jr. I really liked in One Night in Miami as well. I liked um, the actor playing Muhammad Ali better. Um, but I thought Leslie Adam Jr. was good. And I like the actor playing Malcolm X. Right. <laughs> There's just so much. Again, there were a lot. There yeah, were a lot they, in yeah. that film. Um, it's tough. So I would guess I'm going to. Oh, gosh. I don't know about this one. <laughs> What I really don't. comments about Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial of Chicago? Oh, I'll get to that in a recommendation. Okay. Oh, 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 mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Best Supporting Actress. We have Maria Bakalova from Borat, subsequent movie film. Glenn Close from Hillbilly Elegy. Olivia Coleman for The Father. Amanda Seyfried for Mink. And Young Eugene for Minari. Um, takes on this, Chris. Where do you think it's going? Or where would you want it to go? Well, you know, I, I would say Glenn Close, probably not. Um, she was fine in the film, but it just was more of like a makeup job. Yeah. And, you know, I'd, so I'd say no. Um, kind of surprised, although I'm not saying she didn't do a good job. But And I remember she was nominated for Golden Globes. Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent yeah. movie film. 
kind of a surprise to me. And it would be really shocking if she won it because it's a comedy. So because of well, that. Well, it's not just a comedy. It's a, it's a outrageous comedy, right. so, which is not. So because of that, know, I don't think she really has yeah. a chance because I don't think Oscars tend to gravitate towards yeah. that type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I wanted the South Park song, Blame Canada to win, and there was right. no way they were going to let that win. <laughs> so yeah. um, so um, I don't think she really stands a chance. Glenn Close, no. Um, I think because of um, Buzz and because I don't think as many people have seen The Father, I, I mean, I'd be happy if either Olivia Coleman or Yoon Yu Jung, mm-hmm. how do you say her name? Can't really remember how to pronounce it. One of those two, but I think it might be the the actress playing the the grandmother in Minari. I might say that she has the edge for this. Uh, I kind of think Amanda Seyfried might for Mank. I, I could see Mank not walking away with Wait, any award except that. this one. And she did. She She's was really one of good. Things I really liked about Mank. She was Maybe very good in that role. Things, so yeah. I could see that being the one big win that Mank gets. Okay, that would be my guess. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me skip to a couple other categories here. Sure. Um, we already mentioned best director. Uh, let's do screenplay. Oh, no, let's do cinematography. Okay. Best cinematography. Judas and the Black Messiah. Mank. News of the World. So this is, uh, the I think, the only place where News of the World, the Tom Hanks film, pops into a nomination is on cinematography. Uh, also, it gets best production design. But um, And then we have Nomadland and The Trial of Chicago 7. Um, I... I do I've love. Got, I've got a favorite on this one. Okay, well, I'm going to say I do love the look of Mank, and I loved how Nomadland looked. Okay, I would be happy with either of those two for cinematography. Okay, where are you with this? So I I feel like it's going to be uh, Joshua James Richards for Nomadland okay. um, because I think. Unless they go the whole, because it's a story about Hollywood and being sentimental about that, they go with Mank. I think, you know, there was a lot of work going on in Mank, but I think I give the edge to Nomadland. The the cinematography, I think, played more of a key part in the film in Nomadland. And I think with Mank, it could be seen as more gimmicky, like let's just mimic this look of a film. Which it still... It did, and it was, it was it. great. I but, loved it. Yeah, but, I, I feel like because it's more of a key player in... Mm-hmm the mood and everything that I feel like Nomadland will take it. But. Yeah. Uh, we'll just hit the screenplays really quick. Uh, best adapted screenplay, uh, Borat's subsequent movie film. So that's an adapted screenplay. I don't understand that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I don't understand. I saw it and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> We're yeah. adapting it. Like I, I don't, you, it's just a character. And so they're adapt, but I don't, I don't understand how that's. Yeah. I don't, I don't either. That. But that is on the nomination list. That had me scratching my head. Yeah. <laughs> the Father, uh, Nomad Land, One Night in Miami did get Best Adapted Screenplay. So I think that's one of the two awards that was really big awards it was nominated for. And then The White Tiger from Ramin Barani. Which I, I'm, I am not familiar with I, it at all. It's, it's on Netflix. Okay. And uh, I've actually seen it. Um, and I'm, I'm surprised. Like, I feel like that's one of the ones, you know, every once in a while, you know, the awards you get something that comes out of left field and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. So yeah, I'm surprised that it was there for adapted screenplay, but I'm really happy for Ramin Barani because yeah. this would be something you know. I don't, I don't think he'll probably win. No, um, but it was but interesting to see it in the it's field. Cool to see him get nominated. So yeah, um, I feel, I feel like probably either Father or Nomadland. See, I feel like it's going to be One Night in Miami. Really? Because I do feel like from a scripting standpoint, 
taking an existing piece of work and modifying it into a film format and you have play a, to it. and having just some great dialogue scenes with some characters. I, I, I think that could win. Okay. I think that may be, I can, the, I that may be the one award one night in Miami kind of walks, walks away, away with, with that getting, one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, best original screenplay, Judas and the black Messiah, Minari, promising young woman, sound of metal, the trial of Chicago seven. Here, I really want Promising Young Woman to win, and oh, I actually man. do think it has a chance. Oh, really? Because I do feel like the screenplay is what one of the strongest assets yeah. of it. Okay. Yeah, so um, I'd be happy. You know, I'd be disappointed if it didn't win anything else. But I'd be if it just walks away with screenplay. I think that that that's recognizing it uh, to some degree. Your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, I, I I would really like Promising Young Woman to win, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if it stands a chance. Um, I'd say out of them, I'm a little surprised that Minari is mm-hmm. in the running. It's it's an okay film. We haven't actually reviewed it for the mm-hmm. show. Um, but screenplay is not one of those Doesn't elements seem to be that one really stand stands out. Yeah. No. So for that matter, I'm I'm kind of surprised. The other ones, you can all see how like story and dialogue kind of jump mm-hmm. out at you. I see that with Jesus and the Black Messiah, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and obviously Trial of Chicago 7. That's Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah, Minari was kind of a surprise. Not a bad thing, which is kind of a surprise maybe it was there. Okay. Um, you know, there was a lot of other categories. I mean, we're not going to go through all the other ones here, but um, I'll, I'll just mention one category only, only because it's a total embarrassment for me. Best documentary feature. I have seen zero of these films. Okay, well let's let's. <laughs> so, Chris, have you seen any of the five let's, of these? Let's, let's talk about them. I know Collective is actually on our Foot Candle Online Cinema, but I have not had a chance to see it. Correct. And Collective is also nominated in two different categories: its best document or its documentary feature, and it's also for international feature. Oh, okay, which is kind of interesting because it's a documentary. Yeah. Yet it's also up for international. Well, I feature. do feel bad because it is on our Candle Online Cinema. It's one of the few films we've released on our own cinema that I have not seen yet. Well, um, I I have seen it, mm-hmm. and I've seen Crip Camp, and I've seen My Octopus Teacher, and Time. So the oh. only one that I have not seen is The Mole Agent. Wow, so. you're four for five. I am zero for five. So that's going <laughs> to be my. I actually have done pretty good with all the other films. Like having seen most most of all of them, there's like two or three I need to still catch up with. But documentaries, man, I'm oh, way far let me, behind. Let me say something we've talked about in Mauritania and kind of throwing it back to that, a cut to black. And um, I will say in Collective, there's an, a very effective cut to black. And it actually has a song. I ended up really liking the song that uses a song and a cut to black at the end of the film. Um, so I, I can recommend Collective. Okay. So Great. Um, well, I mean, there's a good chance that may be the one that walks away with it just because it seems to be getting – the most buzz and, you know, the fact that it is nominated in two different places and all that. So Okay. And on that note, mm-hmm. I feel like it will win documentary because of that. I don't think it'll win an international feature. And are, are we going to talk about those? Yeah, I guess we, I didn't have it listed. But, yes, we should mention that because at least I know there's you know one film in there that I hope is going to win. That's another round from Denmark. Uh, another round from Denmark is nominated for Best International Feature Film. Better Days from Hong Kong. Collective from Romania, The Man Who Sold His Skin from Tanzania, and Quo Vetus Ada from Bosnia and Hergesphonia. Boy, I butchered that one. So sorry. <laughs> well, so, <clears throat> so of those titles, the ones that I've heard of were um, Another Round, Collective, and Better Days. I've yeah. only seen Collective and Another Round, but I feel like, you know, Thomas Vinterberg is nominated for Best Director. 
everybody knew, well, not everybody, but lots of people know who Mads Mikkelsen is. And, you know, I was kind of surprised he didn't get maybe a best actor nod, even though, you know, but I feel like I'd be really shocked if another round didn't win international feature. And I think because of that, because I think the others in this category are all um, narratives. I'm not, I can't mm. swear to that, yeah. but I think they are. I think are. you're right. Yeah. So they're, therefore it'd be kind of weird to give collective out of it. Cause it's just, it's yeah. kind of a weird thing. Whereas, so I think best documentary is where collective. Well, that's, you know, that's good. Now, you know, they could take another round and just highlight the Mads Mikkelsen dancing scene at the end and <laughs> submit that for best short film. And I think it would win. I, I, I agree. <laughs> so, I think it would too. Would All right. Um, yeah. So the other, only other things I was just going to note, which I thought were kind of interesting in the, in the nominations in general. Um, we have the prediction I made. So happy about this. Even though I wasn't the biggest fan of the film, oh, I still I think I had moments. Are we talking about original songs? Yes, we are. Ah. And the fact that Eurovision, the, the, the saga of, of, no, the story of Fire Saga, <laughs> yes. got a nomination for Best Original Song for its song, uh, Husevik. Um, uh, Euro, Eurovision Song Contest, the, the story of Fire Saga. Is that yeah, it? Yes. Did I get the whole title that, right? That is it. That is it. So, yes, it is nominated for an Academy Award. Congratulations, Will Ferrell. Uh, you did it. I was surprised when I saw that. And actually, I watched I watched a clip of just the song mm-hmm. this morning um, right after. But I was like, because it you know, came up on Twitter and I watched it. And just have, and you know how you see lyrics of the songs. And when you yes. see something on social media, it will show the lyrics. Uh-huh. And I was like, yes, that is, I mean, granted, I know it's kind of stupid for that reason. That's the song I want. It'll, I don't think it stands a chance. Really? Because I think it could. See, but you have other serious songs. Like oh, you I have know. The one, but hear my voice from Trial uh, Chicago Seven. You have Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah. So but all the other Speak nominations now from One Night in Miami. Like, I know, but all the other ones just kind of blend together. They're all very, very similar. Where at least you know, recognizing a comedy that actually did music. I don't know. So I, 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 I'm there with you. I think yeah. it would be f- cool to. And actually. It kind of makes it, the song is joking in many respects, but it also has some heart. Oh, and it's a beautiful song. Yeah, it's it's a very was, good song. Um, when I watched the clip of it, I realized, when I watched the movie, I didn't really realize how kind of funny some of the lyrics were, but I saw like the sentiment and I thought it was kind yeah. of a sweet sentiment. She sings in Icelandic and that's a big deal. But when I was reading the lyrics, I'm like, no, some of the lyrics are ridiculous, yeah. but that's awesome. It's like, great. That, you know, so... That's well, the song I'm, and for no other reason, yeah. and I, they don't do this anymore. But maybe they will do it this year. They've tramped, you know, they try uh-huh. to tramp things. The Oscars always run long, but this is the year that I wish they would do performances of best original well, songs because I want them to try to somehow pull it off. And Will Ferrell probably would not sing live. I doubt it. Maybe he would, but I want him to be on the front row of the Oscars. And as soon as that finished that song, they do the camera cut to him yeah. and he yells out, yeah, yeah, ding dong. That's what I, that's what I, Well, that was that, my other disappointment. I, I was kind of hoping to see when I saw Eurovision song contest was nominated for best, best original song. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, ding dong. No, it's the other one, but that's okay. Right. It's the one that made more sense for this category. Sure. Um, Sure. Well, you know, with it being a, I guess, I mean, it's not going to be an in-person ceremony, right? Oh, that's, uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think so one look, of the reasons they were pushing was because they were hoping for that. Yeah. But I, if I it's going it to be a virtual ceremony, I say pull off the performances, do virtual performances. You're going to have time because you save so much time with a virtual uh, ceremony. True. Without all the walking up and down the aisles and uh, all this stuff. So true. I'd say, yeah, bring out the performances. Let's have fun with that one. So, 
The only other thing I was going to note, uh, just a little surprising. So The Five Bloods by Spike Lee got nothing except best original score. Okay, I was going to mention that when we were yeah. talking about um, act, act supporting, supporting actor. actor. And, and yeah, yeah. Del, Del, Del Rey Rey Lindo. Lindo was, that, was a, that was a surprise for me. I, I really expected him to be nominated for I that. I wonder, even though I love Spike Lee, but I think I wonder if on the – on the or on the coattails of having done a Black Klansman, and um, what was the other one that he? Well, I guess Black Klansman. And then he did yeah. this one, but he got a lot of attention for Black Klansman. He also did um, American Utopia with David mm-hmm. Byrne, which mm-hmm. was a concert film. But I wonder if people were just like, you know, The Five Bullets was okay, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't peak Maybe. cinema, even though it was good. But yeah, yeah, so that was, was a little surprised. surprising because I did like The Five Bloods. Um, but I will tell you, I mean, just and, and this is again three hours in after having read these nominations for the first time. <laughs> sure. I'm really happy with, in general, the nominations. I mean, I think it's a very diverse field of films. I think so many of the films have a fairly equal chance of winning some things. I don't think there's one film that we just feel like is going to dominate everything right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a very diverse field. Really happy to see that. I mean, I think you look at. Uh, for example, the best actor role. I mean, we've got Riz Ahmed, we've got Chadwick Boseman, we've got Stephen Young. I mean, three yeah. different nationalities sure. kind of rep- represented right away in the in the, in the field. And the same thing on the actress side; some great uh, diversity there to some degree as well. And I feel like so. balancing out with bigger films and smaller films. Like yeah. it's it's not just like oh, you know, it's all the blockbusters and there's hard to cut in there. Well, I true, but I mean, when we say blockbusters, I mean really, we're, none of these are. Well, because, I mean, what's the biggest the film on here? The Trial of Chicago 7? Just because it was Aaron Sorkin, Netflix, star uh, ensemble cast. Maybe Judas and the Black Messiah, but I mean, I, I can't like that say. that would have been bigger if theaters yeah. were more, but yeah. But none of these are blockbuster films, you know, and that's, that is unfortunately going to pose a problem for if you had to look at viewership and mm. attention on the Oscars. I think we knew this going into this year, that this past year, yes, it's going to be a very interesting field of films. I do think they've got most of them right here. And I feel pretty good about these nominations. Well, that was my hope because I didn't want them to cancel the Oscars because I feel like yeah. this is the year where more independent, smaller films could get recognized because a lot of the blockbusters have been pushed or whatever. Yeah. I'll say one thing I was surprised or interested to see, animated feature film. That's one where a lot of times they don't necessarily put five five nominees. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll say three, sometimes they'll do four. And then sometimes they do all five. Um, a movie that I had barely heard of Sean, the sheep is a Sean, the sheep movie, Farmageddon. Yeah. I felt like that came and went <laughs> and I'd barely heard of it, but it was nominated for best feature film, you know, up against onward over the moon soul and wolf walkers, which I have all seen. So mm-hmm. I guess I figured those would be the big four. Yeah. And for that, that movie to sneak in there. I was like, Oh, Farmageddon. Okay. So, mm-hmm. uh, it may be one that I have to check out, so. but we we're kind of in agreement that soul's going to win, right? Uh, Best animated sh- uh, feature film. I, I think so. Now yeah. the one that I could see giving it a run for its money. And I think people would be like really excited if it won would be wolf walkers mm-hmm. because you know, a lot of people are just not anti Disney, but they're like, Oh, Disney always wins everything. Yeah. And wolf walkers is a different studio and they have had other films like secret of Kells be nominated before. Sure. So, but yeah, I, I think conventional soul, I mean, soul, soul's yeah. been well reviewed. People sure. really dig that movie. So, okay. Sure. All right. Well, I think that's, that's all we're going to go into on the Oscar nominations. I mean, we have a ceremony coming up in, uh, April. 
yes, I believe April 25th is so a little over a month from now. Right. And we will be uh, talking about the results of the nominations after that award ceremony. So should be great. But I, overall, I'm happy. I think, yeah. uh, you know, it's good. It's, it's good. And uh, I'm happy our favorite film of the year got some good attention and nominations. That's great. Uh, I think it's a great field, great diverse field, great uh, a, a wide array of films. None of them as a super front runner, which is great. So should be a should be an interesting ceremony. Agreed. Interesting uh, announcements. All right. Ty, Chris, time. That was all we were going to do for news. That's enough news. Let's move <laughs> on to our last portion of the show where we talk about our recommendations for the episode. Chris and I both pick out a film that either we just recently caught up with or we revisited or we just recollected in some way that we want to share with you, the listener. In case you're looking for recommendations on films you might want to check out or if you have some time available, our only requirement is the film has to be available online so you can actually watch it and not have to go try to seek it out in a theater or on an old uh, VHS copy buried away in a library somewhere. So, <laughs> All right, so Chris, what have you got for us for a uh, recommendation this week? So um, we have talked or I've recommended on the show two of this gentleman's previous films, and I'd kind of forgotten about him. He is one Quentin Depew. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd kind of forgotten about him. Um, And I happened to see on HBO Max, there's a little film called Deerskin. Mm -hmm. I'll read to you a plot description. A man's obsession with owning the designer deerskin jacket of his dreams leads him to turn his back on his humdrum life in the suburbs, blow his life savings, and even turn him to crime. So um, that's all I'll say about kind of the description it is if you're familiar with rubber which i've talked about this guy made i recommended i also recommended wrong which is another film he made a couple years after that this film came out in 2019 i didn't even know i didn't know about it at all um i think maybe it would have gotten some type of more theatrical release in 2020 but we all know what happened in 2020 um it stars jean dujardin who was Mm -hmm. the lead actor in um the artist that came out that film that was in black and white. It was a silent film that got all the Oscar attention. So he's a well-known actor in the lead role playing the guy who's obsessed with the deerskin jacket. Um, I did not like it as much as I liked rubber or I liked wrong, but um, I still liked it. And that this guy also fancies himself or begins to fancy himself a filmmaker. So there's also that, <laughs> there's also that kind of storyline that kept me interested. And I will say you're never quite sure how the film is going to end. Mm-hmm. And I really thought it stuck the ending mm. amazingly. Wow. Okay. Um, so, um, dear skin, not everybody's cup of tea. This director is definitely not everybody's cup of tea. It's kind of a David Lynch oddness feel to his films. They work for some, they don't work for others. But if you happen to see those other films, either on my recommendation or by yourself, Hey, this guy has a new film, uh, dear skin or has out this film, dear skin. He's actually also, released another film called mandibles which is scheduled as a 2020 release and i, I guess that. maybe that's going to be coming out 2021 or vod i haven't checked that one out but i can't wait but my recommendation for this one is just deer, deer skin. skin yes i was really curious about that one i saw the previews i saw kind of the description of it earlier on when it was first released for deer skin yeah oh so you saw so see i somehow missed all yeah that. yeah no i saw like all the okay. promotional stuff for it and saw the the, the trailer and Looked interesting, and uh, <laughs> but just never got never got it on my watch list. So, okay. yeah, but I have heard a little bit too about the new one he's got coming up. So, interesting there as well. 
All right. Well, Chris, I'm going to go a little, little, little more mainstream. I guess a okay. little more mainstream on mine. And we've already talked about it. It's already been mentioned several times in this uh, episode so far. But I did have a chance to catch up with the trial of the Chicago 7. Okay. Now, I'll go ahead and say, I went into this. I like Aaron Sorkin. I really liked Molly's game. Okay. I think we talked about that quite a bit. You even brought up as a recommendation. I did. I, yeah. I think you recommended it. Yes. And then I watched on your recommendation. Then I Indeed. ended up recommending right. it on the show. Yeah. So I was a fan of that. I was always a fan of Sorkin's TV work for the most part. And, you know, the trial of Chicago 7 uh, sounds like a custom-made Aaron Sorkin film. <laughs> uh, it is an important uh, historical event and with some interesting characters and interesting people that were being depicted. I... I I initially was excited about the film, but then I started hearing a lot of backlash. People either saying it's just a little over overwritten, overdone, uh, doesn't really stick the landing, just not, you know, not a great film. But then it also got a lot of love still with nominations and sure. recognitions and all. So I decided to check it out and kind okay. of make myself, you know, make sure I'm giving it a fair shot. And I will I'll say I'm gonna recommend the film because I did enjoy it. Okay. Um Everything I'm about to mention may sound like criticisms of it, and I guess they kind of are, but <laughs> okay. I still am going to ultimately say I'm recommending the film. Okay. Um, I mentioned earlier in this episode that I don't have a good ear for accents, ah. and I know that some of the critique was that it's uh, some of the main characters trying to pull off their their uh, New England accents. Uh. Um, I don't know how well they did. They sounded good to me, okay. but... I don't know. Again, I'm not a good ear for that. So sure. especially Eddie Redmayne, I think that was the most jarring hearing his accent at first. But again, it didn't bother me. I thought it sounded okay. You know, now that you think about it, his accents usually do bother me. Yes. And it didn't bother me in this right, film. Right. So that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Um, Aaron Sorkin, I felt like this film was probably a little more dialed down Sorkinisms than normal. Okay. A lot less walking and talking and, and just this real quick pit, uh, witty banter back and forth. I, I felt like it was a little more toned down, which is kind of nice. It wasn't quite, quite as Sorkin-esque as even Molly's game was. I'll say as much as I love Molly's game, it was absolutely Aaron Sorkin dialogue and writing and pacing. Okay. Um, I think the fact that it's just a really good ensemble of this film, I, I think, is what made it for me. I know Sasha Baron Cohen's getting a lot of love right now for his Abby Hoffman uh, yes. role. Uh, I didn't think it was that great. I mean, I didn't really find a lot of love there. I personally felt like uh, Yaha Abdul-Mateen mm. was so much better. He was the standout supporting actor for me in this film. He was Bobby Seal. Yeah. yeah, and he's the one I'm very disappointed that didn't get any attention from this film. And even Mark Rylance as their lawyer, I yeah. thought was super good and not getting any recognition at all for his performance there. Um, That's one of those things that you just wonder. I mean, you thought we thought Jesus and the Black Messiah was bad because you kind of had dueling lead performances. Yeah. You get a film like this that's such an ensemble thing. It's just like, huh, nobody's <laughs> just I know. Gets yeah. I mean, I do think the ensemble works. Oh, yeah. You know, no, I no, think no, no, it's, I a, it's a well-rounded cast. Um <laughs> And the other criticism I'll give is Franklin Jella as the judge. I, I just didn't need the judge to be quite as mustache twirling as he was. I mean, I understand <laughs> that he was a bad judge in this real situation. Gotcha. And he got written up by so many other attorneys saying he was not qualified for this role as a judge. But it was still the way it portrayed in the film was just too on the nose, too on the nose or... as the villain. And it just, uh, but overall, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna recommend the film. 
Um, just shut it off before the last five or six minutes. I hated the oh, ending. Man. I thought the ending was just so. And what hurt me with that? I think uh, there's some line delivery by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and I really like him line delivery by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I really like him as an actor. Yeah, I just that just so it wasn't his fault. He was the one giving the line, but it just no. kind of that kind of a, a dead poet society esque type of ending. Yeah, it just. It that, just didn't work. That hurt it for me. Well, and unfortunately, there was a moment where the film was kind of coming to an end, and you know, it was left a little open on what the final verdict was going to be on. I mean, if you didn't really know the history of this case, I mean, right. and then it kind of comes back with a little bit of a coda and that really sappy ending, and <laughs> it just it kind of just killed it. And then some of the worst use of just text on screen. Oh yes, it like had this weird panning out from the courtroom and it froze. And then it just threw up like like nine or ten segments of text. Now you are recommending this film. I am. This I, is know, your I know. I'm just saying. Just, <laughs> uh, just kind of go in knowing that I think the ending's really horribly handled. Sure. Um, but overall, I did like the film. I think it's worth a watch. Just, uh, just go in. No, there there are some misgivings on my end. But sure. um, overall, I, I don't think it deserves all the hatred it's getting from a lot of people circles online. Okay. I do think it deserves to be in the conversation for awards, but I don't really expect it or we kind of don't really want it to win any because I think there's other films better deserving. So, gotcha. but trial of Chicago seven enjoyable enough. If you like Aaron Sorkin's work in general, I think there's enough here to really still find a, a really good, 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 a couple hours of your time. And again, it's a really important story as well. So it, if nothing else, it did, key me in on a story, a, a, a real life depiction that I wasn't as versed in as I probably should have been. So, gotcha. all right. So that is our recommendations for the episode. So Chris's with Deerskin, and then me with the trial of the Chicago seven. We had our reviews of Nomadland and of the film, the Martarian, Martarian, Martanian. I did so well the rest of the episode and then I just butchered the last one. <laughs> Um, and then we also talked all about Oscar nominations for a good bit of the show. So, Chris, with that, if anybody has any feedback for us, uh, questions, agreements, disagreements, how can they go about sending those to us? You may send an email to info at footcandle.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm and direct messages or just tag us in a question you have or comment about the show. Alan and I are also on Letterboxd. You can track what we're seeing, and sometimes we write little reviews on there. I will say, if you are a filmmaker, you can submit a film for our 2021 Film Festival, which will be held September 22nd through the 28th by going to Film Freeway and looking for Foot Candle Film Festival. Uh, If you're interested in that, and if you're not a filmmaker, know that, hey, I just gave you the dates for the film festival, so you might want to try to check us out. We are going to have an online component probably and hopefully, fingers crossed, also an in-person to some limited capacity in a theater. So hopefully. So we'll, we'll see. Okay. Last but not least, if you like our show, which we hope you do, give us a star rating, a writer review, share with friends in iTunes to help us reach new listeners. We'd also we'd appreciate it. We're also available on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. Yes, lots of ways you can reach out to us and lots of ways you can listen to the show. And again, we do appreciate any subscriptions and or reviews that we get for the show. So uh, please go back to the mesh.tv, check out old episodes, find if you come across a movie you end up watching and you want to hear our discussion about it. Chances are there's a pretty good chance we, you may find an episode with us discussing that film. 
So, Chris, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up, sign off. I hope everybody's doing well, and thanks for listening. We will talk to you next time. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Taller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Taller, visit www.carpaltaller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.